Allegra's done well with those lessons I've given her. That's all I can say. Um, you know, as you, as you think about uh, the message of that, that's, that uh, great song of faith, is that, that God needs to be a God that can lead us home. You know, if you, if you play baseball or follow it, you, you don't get any rewards. You get to first base, second base, or third base. You got to get home. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the call that you give people to know you and to uh, be able to go to that place which will be home for us. As we look at a passage of this morning that's filled with strong words about what is to happen, Father, we pray that we might uh, be eager to be warned uh, and to be warning of others, uh, but also be filled with uh, hope because uh, life's greatest questions are answered by the one who came uh, to be the answer. Help our minds and hearts to be alert today, and we ask this in Christ's name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the, to, uh, the book of Revelation, the last book in uh, the Bible, uh, Revelation chapter 17. And, and this morning, I've been telling the message, a warning against religion. And you might be thinking, that's a kind of a strange thing for a pastor to teach about, you know, be warned about religion. Isn't that what he's all about? Isn't he a kind of a religious person and wants other people to be religious as well? And the word religion can have a neutral sense to it. I mean, it can have even a positive um, perspective in terms of understanding what it all can mean for a purpose for a person in, in a way that is helpful rather than hurtful. But I want to take religion in a slightly different way because as we think about religion as it is around the world, it's, it's that's what, what that, it's that which God hates. He, he hates religion, and we're going to modify that in a moment called false religion because it's that which leads people away from God rather than to God. And just because we call someone religious doesn't mean they're going down the right path. And so there's a warning about simply falling down and following that which a person or persons might tell you about God if what they tell you about God is not true. And that's always been the case. In fact, Karl Marx recognize that religion can really influence people. In fact, he called religion as the opium of the people. That the religion is kind of like a drug, and then if you can take that drug, it will satisfy needs, it will satisfy desires, but once the drug wears off, it leaves you in a worse state than you were before. And many people have used religion to to lead people astray not only spiritually, but physically and politically and every other which way. And so what I want to do is define religion this way. Uh, false religion, particularly false religion. False religion, it's, a, it's any substitute or it is a substitute for a real relationship with the true God. So, so anytime someone is believing in, following after, that which becomes a substitute for that which is a real relationship with God and with the true God. That is 
that which God hates and despises. In fact, the Apostle Paul said about even people who talked about Jesus, forget the other world religions. He said, if anyone teaches you or preaches to you a, another Christ, another Christ of a different kind, let that person be anathema, which in less um, uncolorful, less, in, in a much more pointed way, let that person be damned. That's what anathema means. Let, let that person perish forever. If they lead people astray for following another Christ, but a Christ that's not the real Christ, the true Christ. So this morning, as you can kind of catch by the way of how we've begun, it's going to be a rather heavy message in the, in the sense of what God has said is going to come. And, and we've you know, tried to make it pretty plain that Revelation, in the midst of all its complexity and all that which people can debate about the specifics in this book, it, it's really a, a pretty clear book in the sense it's all about who is coming and what is coming. Now, who is coming is Jesus, the true Jesus, and all of who he is. And what is coming, that's where we can debate sometimes about the specifics of it, but what is coming is, is the judging hand of God upon people who not only don't believe in anything, but believe in something that's not true. And as we get to the last three quarters of this book, and Revelation 16 is what we looked at a couple weeks ago, which, which was full of the clear message that that God is, the true God is a God to be loved, but the true God is also a God to be feared. Because if, if God is going to judge this world, you want to make sure that you're not one of those people who are going to be judged by his wrath. So God is a God to be loved, and God is a God to be feared. And the Revelation 16 is the chapter that comes before Revelation 17. And in that, we saw the last judgments of God being poured out as bowls of, of hot lava on a land that is going to be destroyed. And, and just picturing the, the big things that was, were mentioned in Revelation 16, it, it begins where, where physical calamity is experienced by every person on this planet that, that doesn't know God. And sores like ulcerous Infections on people's skin cover everybody. And yet, people still don't repent. And, and the message of Revelation is good news, bad news. There are many people who respond to Jesus as, as being the one who comes at Christmas, as, as the one who came to take away their sins. But in fact, so much so it says from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. But the majority of people will not repent and will be filled with anger at the one who is angry at them and not respond to the acts of God that aren't accidents. They are planned events in the hand of a sovereign God. And so physical sores are poured out in people's body. It says that God brings a judgment on the oceans of this world. They become as blood and everything within them dies so the food supply is destroyed, at least from the oceans. Even drinking water is impacted as as the fresh waters are also filled as if, as if blood. And, and then real, true global warming comes. 
as a son begins to, to beat down on, on people to such a degree that, that the torturous experience of that is overwhelming. And then fear goes throughout the land as darkness comes and surrounds this planet. And then God puts the, the pieces in the puzzle together and those who want to rebel against him, he supernaturally allows them to gather together as he dries up the Euphrates and, and he leads to that which is even popular known as Armageddon, the last battle. But it won't be a battle in which um, it, will, it will be described as Hollywood would describe it, but it will be a battle against the true and living God. And then the last judgment is simply a statement as God shakes this entire planet, it's, it's done. It is done. And there's a, there's a time when, when people always think, they, well, we, I can always do that tomorrow. Maybe the day after tomorrow. Not today, but there's always, there's always time to get right with God. And it'll be done. Well, Revelation 17 kind of takes a... Takes a a pause and says to, to John and to his readers, okay, in the midst of this last pouring out of God's wrath, God's judgment, which still within it has grace and mercy behind it, if people respond, I, I want to let you know what has been happening. What has been happening religiously. And, and sometimes, you know, if we're, if we're not with Karl Marx, you know, religion is the opium of the people, the drug of the people that, that leads them down the disastrous way. We are, we're kind of pro-religion. As long as people believe in something, that's better than nothing. And God says no. You know, taking the wrong medicine, maybe you believe in medicine, but if you take the wrong medicine out of your cabinet, it's not going to do you good. It's going to be destructive. And this has always been the issue in terms of people that God has created. Is are they going to follow after Him or something else? And so, what I want to do in a kind of a rapid way is is talk about the warning about false religion that really has always been, but it's going to be magnified in the days to come. So, if you have your outlines, we're not going to have it on the screen. There's just simple fill in the blanks, and if you don't get the exact one I say, you can figure it out yourself because they aren't meant to be complicated uh, but warning false religion false religion has always pursued its own will over god's revealed will false religion has always pursued its own will over god's revealed will so let's we're in the last book of the bible revelation let's begin the first book in the bible genesis which actually literally means beginnings and let's look at the first thing god said because we'll look at the first chapter in the very first book of the 66 books that God gave us in, in Genesis. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. I want you to spread the whole planet with life. And subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then from there, and there's other things that God said, and particularly said what not to do, and, and man fell into sin, and then we have from Genesis 1 through Genesis uh, 11, all the things that, that people did in rebellion against God. But what I want to do is, is this picture false religion as it's described in the Tower of Babel. Nimrod and, and Babylon and Babel. And, and this is the response of the people as they, they created a, 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 
a ziggurat, a place of worship. He said, they said, come let us build for ourselves a city and tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. One of the very first expressions on a global scale of people wanting to rebel against God by doing their own will, apart from God's revealed will, said, let's just keep together and we'll become stronger and we won't need God. God says, I'm not going to let that happen. So he, he confused their language and he spread them out around the whole world. And, and basically, you can go to various places. If you've traveled at all, you can see these, these towers. And they, uh, historically, they are to the god Marduk. It's a false god, a false religion. And basically, it's a mess. We don't need the true God. We'll, we'll make God in our own image and follow him. So any religion in which people are following their own will over God's revealed will, we know it's not from God. Secondly, false religion comes from a foolish heart and is not based on truth. And these are going to be pretty obvious things I'm going to say this morning, but they're right out of how God describes people who are religious, but not in terms of a relationship with God, but just following their own own approach to, to that which they think is important or beyond them. Now, Romans one twenty one says this, even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculation and their foolish heart was darkened. And it goes on, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, the Bible says very plainly that those who follow after a false religion, after a false God, and, and some people, you know, basically worship themselves. But he says, I want you to understand, some people are deceived. But some people, they're, the issue is not being deceived. They just don't want to follow what they know is true. And, and we know that. They're, they're people in just lifestyle decisions. You know, if you ask somebody, do you think you ought to drive 95 miles per hour on a, on a particular highway in the dark? Well, probably, that's probably not the safest thing to do. But why'd you do it? I don't know, I just wanted to do it. And, and, and people who take drugs, you know, you think this is healthy for you? Well, no. Well, why do you do it? Because I just like the high I get from it. And you, you, could, you could talk about anything that's obvious. Um, there are things that we do. I mean... I'm sure none of you have this mistake, but like maybe late at night you get the munchies and you go, I want to eat something. And then maybe you want something hot and you say, well, I can't find the, the decaf coffee. I'm just going to get the decaffeinated coffee. And, and, and then your wife says, or your husband says, in my case, it's my wife who says, you know, if you drink that caffeinated coffee and you eat that food, you're not going to wet very well tonight, sleep well tonight. I know, but I just, I just, I just feel like I want to eat that. And I want to drink that. And then I pay for it. I wasn't deceived. I, I just wanted it. And see, people get darkened in their speculation. They think, well, maybe I'll be, this, tonight will be the exception. The caffeine won't kick in, right? And then my stomach won't growl in the middle of the night because I put too much on in it right before I went to bed. And, and people do that with God. They know what is true, but they somehow feel they can you know, beat it. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. And then some people, they say, well, why don't I 
take what I can see and I, and I will put it of supreme worth and value. And, and, and there is a whole slew of people today, they're more concerned about this planet you know, and the other little creatures on it than anything else. And then some people even take a step further that, that they, are, they, they almost worship people. It's kind of a whole humanist perspective. You know, why do we need God? Let's just make people important. And, and what you do there is you, you worship that which has been made rather than one who has made it. You worship the creature rather than the creator. And that's just foolishness. It's not true. Thirdly, false religion can often look good, but it is, it is deceiving and destructive. This is an interesting verse. Some of you are familiar with it, some maybe not. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and then 15, it says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And you're thinking, well, that's kind of surprising. I thought Satan was an angel of darkness. Well, the reality, that is true. He is an angel of darkness, but that's not what he looks like. He looks like that which is good. And so some people are not deceived by what choices they make as what is important to them. And basically what religion is, is deciding what is important to you and following after it. Taking it as a supreme value. That, that's what's most important to me, and then pursuing it. And some people get deceived. Well, I think it's okay, because as long as you believe in something, or if it, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, or, or on the other side, even on the positive, as long as it's helping people, then I must be doing good. And God says, look, if you, if you somehow deny the truth about why we're all here, you were created by a loving God, then you've missed it. But some people, they follow after certain teachings because they were deceived. They, they bought the lie. I, I think all of us could admit to times where we have made purchases of things that salesmen have convinced us that we had to have it and it would work. Anybody want to... Do I have a witness out there? Anybody want to raise their hand that you've had some buyer's regret sometimes? I remember that. I got, oh, I don't have time for that. All right, so I won't tell you the story. I won't tell you my stories of uh, buyer's regret. But when that happens, we get deceived. It goes on and says, Therefore, it's not surprising that the servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. They, they look good. They, they even act like they're doing good, but they're not good. Fourthly, false religion is, is playing the harlot to the true God. How languishing is your heart, declares the true God. While you do all these things, the actions of a bold-faced harlot. And basically what a harlot is, whether a person who participates in activity with a harlot or the person who's the harlot themselves, it, it, they all do it for selfish gratification. And it is true. It, 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 as you think about what Christianity is, it's not about us, it's about God. And when you miss that, you've missed the truth about a real relationship with the true God. Well, how does this relate to Revelation 17? Well, Revelation 17 is that it's going to be magnified on a global scale in the future about people following a false religion. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at how false religion is described by one of the angels to John after he describes the judgment that has come and the wrath that will be poured out on the earth. And particularly, it's going to be poured out 
on religion, false religion in the end. Revelation 17, verse 1. And here we're going to see that false religion in the future will become a universal one-world religion during the last days. And here's one of the reasons why I believe that. Revelation 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here. This is an angel speaking to John. I will show you the judgment. And he had just talked about the bowl judgment being poured out on this earth. And he says, judgment of a particular uh, being here on earth or system. A judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, here's where you get to passages where you're saying, you know, I'm reading the book of Revelation. I read things like that. I go, what in the world are you talking about? Okay, well, the reason I, I share with you the Ezekiel passage is often throughout Scripture, false religion is, is spoken of activity like a harlot, where you are pursuing that which is most worthy of, of, your, of your attention and allegiance and obedience. That's what is self-satisfying, and that's what harlotry is. And the great harlot is more than a physical satisfaction. It's a spiritual satisfaction. And there is a great harlot to come, and it's pictured as one who is sitting on waters. Now, some images, we go, what do the waters represent? Well, sometimes the book of Revelation itself defines it for ourselves. Look at Revelation 17, verse 15. And he, this is the angel, said to me, John... The waters which you saw where the, harlot, where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So and it, there's really no way to picture this on a screen. I, you know, there are times I've tried to picture things on the screen so you could take the image and then try to put it in your mind and then try to see the, the connection to it. But if, if you were to picture in your own mind this person who is a harlot and, it, and it, they're sitting on waters and then those waters are defined, it's just this. What does a false religion do? It, it impacts and it mesmerizes people. So th- this is a religion that begins to attack peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. It's everywhere, this great harlot. So in many ways, the, the many religions, which we could say are many harlots, becomes one great harlot, and it begins to control everybody. In fact, that's really the next point I want to make. False religion will eventually become universal, but false religion will have great influence. And not only will it have great influence, and the reason it will have great influence is because it's supported by the most powerful person on the planet, the Antichrist, the beast. Look at verse 2 and 3. It says, This woman, who is sitting on many waters, which is of the nations of the world, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. So this is, a, this is destructive, filthy influence on people in the name of religion. And if we had more time, I don't even have time to do what I want to do throughout the passage, is I could give you horror story after horror story about what religion has done to people. Sexually, financially, relationally, in every which way possible. Uh, and, and these who are in power are just enjoying this whole experience and seeing how it impacts people and influencing these people with it. And the reason this one religion comes to great power is verse 3, and he carried me away in, in the spirit into a wilderness. So he sees this picture in a further way. This woman who's on the waters, 
with these kings around it. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And what it's sitting on is that which supports it. Um, I was telling the first service real briefly, I had an opportunity to go horseback riding on my vacation. But it was, it was in Ensenada, and it was, kind of, it, was kind of, it was kind of a strange experience because when I went there, no one else wanted to go horseback riding. In fact, not only with the group I was with didn't want to go horseback riding, there appeared to be that day no one wanted to go horseback riding. So there wasn't a group of horses going on this trail ride. They had one horse, and they said, well, take the horse and ride it for an hour. <laughs> and, and they even gave me a whip, you know, so I got to do that horse as fast as I wanted to. Now you're thinking, how did you come back safely? In fact, how did you actually come back? <laughs> well, the reason I came back is you go out, you know, with the horse, and they always know how, what, what, how to get back home, right? So the, the horse brought me back home. That's why I didn't get lost. But, you know, when I was on that horse, the horse supported all of my weight. And that one world religion is going to be supported by that beast, the Antichrist, in the beginning to give it its power. So false religion will be universal, will have great influence. Seventhly, false religion will look attractive and prosperous, but it will be evil and wicked. And this is kind of repeating a little bit what we said before, but let's look at verses 4 and 5 real, real briefly. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. So in the midst of looking at this great harlot who's sitting on the waters of many people, in the midst of being supported by this beast, this Antichrist, it has great prosperous looks about itself, filled with gold and attractive, purple, powerful clothing. And often people are attracted to that which is powerful and beautiful and maybe a promise of health and wealth and prosperity. Kind of in contrast to what Jesus said when he was here. He said, in this world you're going to have much tribulation, but in me you'll have peace. But they'll flip that around and say, if you come to me, you'll get health and wealth and prosperity. You can do anything you want and be satisfied. But the reality of it is wicked. Verse 5, and on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great. I see this as a system of religion centered in one particular faith. The mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And really, when you get below the surface of false religions, or even false churches, you'll see there's evil in the leadership. There's evil in the lifestyles. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about intentional wickedness. And that will be magnified during that day. Eighthly, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. Now, when you read through the book of Revelation, in fact, uh, my wife and I, uh, well, I, I've been just, when I drive, I just read, you know, I have t Revelation on the tapes, and so I'm just listening to it to read over and over and over again. My wife was listening to it the other day. She goes, how are you going to preach on that, you know? And I said, uh, you know, we're in good company. When we look at this thing, these pictures and we're filled with wonder, just confusion, that was true of John. He was getting it firsthand. 
this is just overwhelming. But in the midst of the overwhelming pictures, there's some pretty obvious things here. And I, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. It's happening now. It's going to happen even more so then. God's people are murdered by religious people. You know, they, they, do, uh, they do ratings of countries that are the most... Um, have the highest example of, of religious persecution. And North Korea, for the 13th year in a row, is at the top of that list. For, 13, 13, for the 13th consecutive year, North Korea is ranked number one on the world watch list of the 50 countries whose persecution is most extreme. The godlike worship of the leader, Kim Jong-un, and his predecessors leaves little room for any other religious uh, um, practice in their church, in their, in their nation. Meeting with other believers is virtually impossible, particularly Christians. Anyone discovered engaging in unauthorized religious activity is subject to arrest, arbitrary detention, disappearance, torture, and or execution. Those Christians who attempt to return to North Korea, in, uh, specifically from China, are sentenced to life in prison or executed. That's happening now by one world leader who has kind of set himself up as a religion, which pictures about what is to come. It's murder. Ninthly, false religion will be connected to the world in the past and in the future. So the angel responds to John's statement, this is, this is, I'm just filled with wonder. And it wasn't talking about wonder in terms of this is wonderful, but wondering in, in terms of I can't understand all of this. And he says, and the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and, and, and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So again, it, sometimes we, God, give me some help us to understand what this is all about. And so this angel says, okay, let me explain it to you. This is tied to the past and to the future as I'm talking to you about what is to come. And so the angel tries to give explanation to this. He says, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And you say, well, okay, uh, did that make it clear? Well, I, I think if you take a step back, it does. Because we've already heard in Revelation 13 as he gives some pictures about what is happening to this beast, the Antichrist, the one that the dragon, Satan, gives power to, and the prophet, the false prophet, the other second beast, is his spokesman in terms of religion. As God's witnesses are powerfully impacting people, Satan says, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to throw them something. I'm, I'm going to take the beast who, who was, and I'm going to make him not to be. In other words, the beast suffers a fatal blow. It looks as if he dies, and maybe he does die. And God allows the dragon, the evil one, or maybe it's a, a facade, but he takes that person who is dead and brings him back to life. Now, I dare say that all of us would listen a little bit more attentively to anybody who, who we, who we th felt in a confirmed way was dead, was buried, and brought back to life. And who does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus. 
And so we need to understand that the Antichrist, the anti is not simply against Christ, but in the Greek it means to be instead of Christ. So this, this world religion that has such an influence and power supported by the beast is built on the power of that beast who, who during this period of time will come to that point where he will, he will mirror Jesus in a false way. Who was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss in a demonic way but eventually go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, which is a long way to say people who don't know the truth about the true Christ, but are following the Antichrist, the people who don't know Jesus, they're going to be deceived and believe in this one who was, is not, and will be, he will rise from the dead, or appear to do that. We'll wonder when they see the beast that, that, that he was and is not and will come. They will be filled with wonder. And how can this be unless he's got power beyond that we, we can imagine? He must be supernatural. Verse 9, here's the mind which is, has wisdom, the seven heads, the seven mountains on which the, se- the woman sits. And they are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while the beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. Now, since that is so clear, I won't make any comments on it. You got, got, got it? Okay. You know, what I said in the beginning is, as we think of it, false religion, it's tied not only to the future, but also to the past. False religion has always been, and it's always been tied with world powers. Those who are world power leaders, they, they want the adoration of people and eventually they want the worship of its people. And if you look at the five kingdoms that have come, Egypt, and all you have to do is look at the histories of the pharaohs, they thought they were divine. And then you have Assyria and Babylon, and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome. The five that have already been, he said, this has always been true. That, that people have followed after a false religion. And this whole false religion is sitting on this, this experience of the past. And then he says, oh, those are the five kings that were, and then the one that is. And the one that is is the Roman Empire. That, that's when this whole revelation was given to John. And, and the Caesars took worship as well. And then, and then he says, that, then there's one that is not, or will be. Well, that, that's, that's the future kingdom. And that future kingdom is that, that kingdom that will come to pass when the Antichrist comes on the scene and, and he does this brokerage not only with Israel but t- ten other kings um, that will kind of consolidate power and that will be the next kingdom. And, and then it says that then there's, there's going to be one that is going to be part of that seventh kingdom but there will also be part of that eighth kingdom. Well, how could that be? Unless he's talking about the, the leader of that seventh kingdom, which in, initially has a power base with kind of a, a conglomeration of people who support what he is doing, but then he'll become so powerful, all that power will be in, in, him, in him himself. Because he's the one who, who was, had died, was living, is not, died, and then came back from the dead, and everyone will give allegiance to him. And all this will happen in the midst of that person who we'll see in just a moment. He, he won't have to have a false religion anymore. It, that religion will be simply worshiping him.
goes on and simply says this. Verse 13. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And so when this all happens, this last kingdom, they will give in to him. And, and what will be their, their unifying theme? Verse 14. They, they will wage war against the Lamb, Jesus. And the Lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called and the chosen and the faithful. So, so the picture is, as all this becomes to pass, they will fight against the true God, but obviously God is going to win. Verse 15, in which we already read, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So all these people will be deceived. But in the midst of all this has happened, which is so filled with despair, then we see in the midst how even the Antichrist is, is manipulated by the true Christ, the true God. Because as the Antichrist turns against the false religion that he put together and becomes the sole person to be worshipped, as that is destroyed, it's really because that's what God wanted to happen too, with a false religion. And so we need to realize that false religion will be eliminated in the end by the Antichrist, and really you could say under the influence of the true Christ. Look at verse 16. And, and the ten horns which you saw in the beast, the Antichrist, these will hate the harlot, which is the false religion, and will make her desolate and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. They no longer need a false religion world religion to control the people because they can control them without uh, the false religion. They, and particularly Antichrist, will be brought up to be God. Verse 17, for God has put it in their hearts. And this is the part we need to realize. God is always in control. God put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman whom you saw is the great city, which I see as a, as a world religious system, which reigns over the kings of the earth, but it will be destroyed during this day. Now, you might have come this morning and saying, I was kind of looking for something a little bit more uplifting. <laughs> you know, this, what's the good news for today? What's, what's, the, what's the daily bread verse in uh, the cute story? Well, the story behind this story here is simply that as we look to the future, that as things disintegrate into wickedness reigning on this earth, God is still in control. And he's manipulating all these things that are happening so that people might realize that that which is false is always false. And that which is true is always true. Y yesterday I, I did a memorial service for a family. And in, in the midst of the family sharing about their loved one, the, the description was, well, the person never really went to church very much. And particularly, the person didn't particularly want to talk about personal beliefs about God. And at that point, you know, what can a pastor say about that person? But what a pastor can say, and let's just make it more applicable for all of us, what can a Christian say in that environment? is none of us are a judge of that person who's already 
pass from this life into the next. But, but we don't have to be mystified about how can you have a real relationship with a true God, with the true God now, and really be convinced this is reality. Jesus told this to his disciples who were, who were fear, filled with confusion. You could say like John, filled with wonder. And it wasn't because Jesus had told some bizarre story like, like he told through the angels to John about all the things that are going to happen in the future. What he was telling about is that he was going to die. And when he told them that he was to die, they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't fit that in the box that they saw of Jesus. You are the giver of life. How can life be taken from you? And then he said these words, let, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be confused about this. And I'm sure as they were confused about his life, they were thinking about their life and about their life ending, what's going to happen to us. But don't be troubled by this. This is all according to God's plan. Believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. He was talking about leading them home to the place that God has prepared for those who know him and love him. And then he made a statement which appeared on service to be pretty simple. Well, you know the way, right? You ever get asked a question, you really don't know the answer, but they, the, you know they think you know the answer, but you don't really know the answer? Now, of course, Jesus knew they didn't know, but everyone was silent, except for one, Thomas. Thomas speaks up, and we know him as Doubting Thomas, but really, you know, he, he really said what everybody else felt. In fact, he even included them in the question, said, we, not I, we don't know the way. And so Jesus said this as, as clearly and as plainly as possible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So in the context of speaking about life's greatest question what happens when we die or, or, or in this situation what happens when God's wrath is poured out on this planet is there a way out and Jesus put it as plainly as possible I am the way I'm the way out and the way up and the way in I am the truth and the life. Just come to me. That's the good news. Let's pray. Father, we are filled with wonder and, and it's hard to read passages like this without being overwhelmed with the sense that, that you are a holy God and a just God and that there is a time when judgment will be unleashed. But Father, you warn us for our own sake, but also for the sake of others, that we might warn others not to put a burden on people, but to lift that burden. 
And Father, I pray for each of us here that we might, all of us, have settled once and for all where we stand before a holy God. And if, if we haven't, might we today, as simply as the ABCs, cross over that line. Father, we admit our need and turn from our sin, that which separates us from you. Our own self-centeredness, our own desire to go our own way rather than your way. Father, we believe, we put our trust in Jesus Christ as God, as, as Savior, as the one who paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And we commit, we commit ourselves to Jesus as our Lord, our leader, our God, and again, our Savior. Come into our life, make us a new person on the inside. And Father, when we pray that prayer and really mean it, then, then we cross over into to being part of your family. And Father, help us to be concerned about others who don't know you. Might we share the good news that you have come to rescue people into a true, real relationship with the living God. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. As we conclude.